0: And welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Novak, and I'm going to read you a bedtime story. Before we begin, I just wanted to remind you all to check out the Skin Crawl Podcast. The latest episode, titled The Removal, was written and directed by me, so I'd love it if you could go check it out. It's coming to an end soon, and getting to work with such a brilliant artist like Skinner is a time I am going to miss and treasure dearly. So please, that is the Skin Crawl Podcast. The episode is called The Removal. Now for this week's episode of Scary to Sleep, not my other show, I have for you a story by author Levi Salvos. This is The Erzatz Cat. The method goes as follows. Repair the corpse by repairing whatever fatal injury led to the subject's demise. Keep the body stored in a dry environment of temperature ranging from 36.12 to 37.8 degrees Celsius. Restrain the subject as necessary for the act of resuscitation. Isolate subject's DNA pattern and acquire an adequate supply of stem cell from another member of the subject's species. Preferably, these cells ought to be harvested from a child-slash-parent relation or other near-relative. Create a solution of formaldehyde and...
1: Why the hell are you writing this?
0: The deep voice purrs from its feline frame.
1: You've tried this technique already. It failed.
0: I glare. You're alive, aren't you? I growl with impatience, ignoring the small creature to continue with my work.
1: But I am not what you meant to bring back.
0: Mephistopheles croons from the cat's mouth. His perfectly human voice reaching a depth the house cat's vocal cords could never naturally reach. I glance at Mephistopheles's body, all hair has fallen off the animal's skin, an unanticipated side effect of the procedure. A nasty bruising scar decorates its face, where I had accidentally struck it with my car nearly two weeks ago. Faint guilt wells up in my gut as I look over the profane being, who I had buried secretly in my backyard whom I had raised again to test my theory, whose owner had plastered posters of its face on every telephone post in town, bearing the simple caption, Lost Pet. I made a mistake. I replied to the demon's taunting. I can make it work.
1: What are you going to reanimate next, dearest friend? A squirrel? Maybe even a pigeon. Do you have any clue the error you've made in your calculations?
0: Stop talking. I shake my head. I swear to God I'll muzzle you.
1: The fact that my words bother you prove that you grasp their validity.
0: Mephistopheles continues as he stretches his hairless body out in the cellar's faint light.
1: You've studied the biology and chemistry again, and again, and again. But that was never your mistake. I think you know that, deep down.
0: I keep my eyes down on my work, not wanting to reply to the creature's mocking. Why
1: do you keep me alive?
0: The voice asks from the cat's puny maw.
1: At first you told yourself it was an interest of science, that you needed to behold how my life would develop. But from the time I spoke, you never looked at me with anything but contempt. I could see it clear as day in your eyes. You wanted to destroy me. You know why? Because I proved that your grand experiment failed. And that even if you perform it on whom you truly wish to bring back, she might not return with the proper soul.
0: I grit my teeth.
1: So why then do you keep me alive?
0: Mephistopheles's charismatic voice dances happily along.
1: Well, I'll tell you. It's because I have what you seek.
0: Can't you just leave me in peace? I plead with exhaustion.
1: I inhabit a cat. You could throw me into the ocean or break my neck with hardly an ounce of effort spent. I exist because you summoned me forth, and I continue to exist. Because you allow it. I can give you what you want.
0: And how would you do that? I snap, my voice cracking lightly. The cat stalks towards my spot at the desk. It climbs gingerly over a half-collapsed pile of papers that run harmlessly over a discarded pair of gloves, which I had bought to handle sensitive chemicals. Several beakers holding fluids of differing colors sit behind the papers on the far side of the desk. Beneath the brick wall upon which hang a few technical diagrams I had taped up during my research. Below the diagrams, a mound of obscure books loiters with yellowing pages molding in the damp basement air.
1: I can bring her back.
0: Mephistopheles tells me with utmost sincerity, although the cat's face remains impossible to read. At what cost? I ask grimly. No
1: cost. I will bring her back for no reason other than you desire it.
0: You're lying. I shake my head. Nothing in this life is for free.
1: What you seek is not in this life.
0: The demon counters. It's not possible. I shake my head weakly. Without giving anything up, how can I expect to earn her back? Everything must be earned somehow. It's simple cause and effect.
1: And why did she die?
0: Mephistopheles asks rhetorically.
1: What, pray tell, did she do to earn her own destruction? Sometimes, my dearest friend, bad things happen for no reason at all. But despair not, for good things can also happen equally unearned. I'm offering you A gift, free of charge. All you must do is seize it.
0: How? I moan, my desperation breaking through my distrust of the demon.
1: It's not too hard,
0: he assures me.
1: Just follow my simple instructions and you'll have your daughter back in just a couple. Days. Tell me. The method goes as follows.
0: The cat begins with clear amusement.
1: First, you must kill this current body of mine. I cannot find who you seek unless my spirit wanders on the other side. After this body's death, You must stow the corpse in your daughter's coffin. The dead cat will act as a bridge between worlds. Additionally, when you reseal the lid of the coffin with the cat within, you must take note of the exact time.
0: I listen intently, although without making eye contact.
1: As for the second step,
0: Mephistopheles continues.
1: You must bring your daughter's body deep into the woods where there is no human within earshot. There, you will burn her body. You must watch the entire occasion. And once the fire dies naturally, you will cast the ashes into a sea or lake where they can never be recovered why because nobody can re-enter life until all physical traces of their past life have been obliterated
0: I say nothing and in my silence the animal continues its instructions
1: finally you will return to the coffin in which you sealed my remains. Within six minutes of the fourteenth hour after you close the coffin, you will open it up. If you waited too long, or too little, or failed to follow any one step of my instructions, the ritual will likewise fail, and you will only find a dead cat within the box. If you are successful, However, your daughter will be alive and well in the coffin just as she was the morning of her death. That's it? That's it.
0: The demon nods. And I must defile my own child's grave.
1: Oh, come now.
0: Mephistopheles laughs.
1: Surely if you tried your scientific little experiment, you'd have done the same. You can't make an omelette without breaking some eggs.
0: You said there wouldn't be a price. I grumble with annoyance.
1: Digging up a body in exchange for its life? That's not a price. That's tearing off the wrapping paper.
0: I shake my head, looking briefly over my papers of calculations and meticulously drawn conclusions. Then I turn to the possessed cat that I couldn't even bring properly into this world. You have a deal.
1: Excellent.
0: Mephistopheles purrs eagerly.
1: If you like, I can accompany you to the cemetery. Keep a lookout for you.
0: Fine. Fine. I reply, leaving the room to fetch my shovel. All along the way, the cat follows at my heel, a clear spring in its step. The trip to the cemetery goes by without notable disturbance, although with my nerves the short drive down the graveyard's road seems to last days on its own. In the back, my shovel lays idly on the seat while the car cruises past the church and parks next to the green lot filled with tombstones. Mephistopheles sits on the passenger's side, curiously watching the outside world. The cat exits the car as I do and meanders around the grounds as I collect the shovel from the back. After a short, fidgety walk to the grave. I stab the spade into the soft earth, just as Mephistopheles hops up onto the granite stone. While the cat watches for intruders from his perch on the tombstone, I begin digging up the coffin.
1: Put your back into it.
0: He taunts.
1: I don't want to be here all night.
0: Shut up. I bark in a hush between strained breaths. Sweat runs down my brow as I toss shovelful after shovelful of dirt out of the hole. The task quickly wears through the night until the earliest dawn peeks up over the trees. It's heavy. I as I pull up the sealed coffin, not as reverent of the event as I had expected. Exhaustion does funny things to people. With the casket out of the grave, I work to refill the hole. To erase the absence left by the removed coffin, I take several scoops from the ditch along the church's road. The process takes another unbearably long span of time, and with every passing minute, my demeanor breaks down more and more. I barely manage to keep it together, even at the end as I carefully place the uprooted grass back into place to cover up any evidence of what had happened.
1: Get into the car.
0: The cat commands as it takes off at a trot.
1: Surely somebody'll be coming soon.
0: After dragging the heavy box to my car, I managed to heave it into the back.
1: Good thing your daughter died young and light.
0: Mephistopheles quips as I collapse into the driver's seat and look around one last time for witnesses.
1: You're all good.
0: Mephistopheles assures me.
1: Just drive.
0: Without further prompting, I steer the car back home. The shovel now sits at the top of the ornate box where it shakes with every bump in the road. Again, the cat just watches the scenery idly roll by back at the house i park the car in the garage and shut the door once concealed i pull the coffin out onto the concrete floor my heart threatens to pound through my chest as i run my hand over the face of the casket
1: you might want to rest before this next step
0: the cat cautions No more waiting. With that, I lean forward to the casket. With a deep breath, I run my fingers under the lid, feeling the latch that will open up the sealed box. For just a moment, I remember shutting it, where I stood in the funeral home, with my face cast down to the cheap carpeting at my feet, choking back tears. I unfasten the hatch, and the coffin flips open. I nearly pass out from the stench. God! I gasp, tearing my eyes away from the casket's contents.
1: Be strong.
0: The feline comforts me, lightly.
1: It'll be over soon.
0: Trying to keep my eyes away from her, I lift her from the casket to set her on the garage floor. Her body feels unnaturally rigid to the touch, as though it's dried into a husk. A tremble runs through my hands, and I feel lightheaded as I place her on the concrete below.
1: So far, so good,
0: Mephistopheles says quietly.
1: The hardest part is nearly done. Now, place me into the box.
0: After taking a moment to compose myself, I follow the cat's instruction and place it in the center of the open coffin.
1: You know what comes next?
0: The demon asks. I kill you? I reply. I bring my daughter out into the woods to destroy her corpse, and I return to open this box in fourteen hours. If all goes well, we'll not meet again." He nods. I guess... I say quietly. Thank you. I mean it. The cat doesn't reply. Watching me intently, with shaky movement, I run my fingers around the cat's throat. Its bald skin feels unnervingly human to the touch, and I struggle to collect my strength. I break the cat's neck. Letting go and gasping, I pull my arms into my torso, where they wrap around me in a hug. The cat lies on the casket floor, with its neck bent at a sickening angle, and the slightest shade of a smirk resting on its lips. Momentarily, at a loss, I just sit in the garage with silence pounding mercilessly at my ears. I choke back vomit as I stare off into the invisible distance, blocked by the barren garage walls. Eventually, that horrid, rotting odor motivates me to continue my task. I make a quick note of the time, cursing myself for almost forgetting, as I shut the coffin tight with the animal's remains within. After, I lift my daughter into the back of the car, trying in vain to keep my mind utterly detached from the action, whether to preserve her dignity or... To save my own skin, I cover up her remains with an old jacket from the house. Finally, I set a tank of gasoline I keep for my lawnmower in the trunk. With all that done, I open the garage door and climb back into the driver's seat. Whatever it takes, I say quietly to myself. As I take the car out of the garage and down the familiar neighborhood street, a pedestrian a few houses down politely gives me a wave, which I return with a faint grimace. For a moment, I consider rolling the windows down to help with the smell, but stop myself out of fear of attracting attention with a stench. Turning my own attention back to my drive, I try to focus on keeping to the back roads, I drive alongside the highway on a small frontage trail, where I eventually turn off onto a dirt road that twists out into the countryside. Trees stretch up into the sky as the car turns into a wooded park area. I circle the lot a few times to make sure no other cars are present before I park. How can I get her out without being seen? I wonder aloud before coming to a simple conclusion. Glancing around the park, I hoist my daughter over my torso, so her head props up on my shoulder. Then, I cover her with a jacket. All in all, it looks like she fell asleep with me carrying her. Just a little hike, I tell myself as I lock up the car and pick up the gasoline tank. After looking around briefly and picking a trail I had walked a good while ago, I step into the woodside. The trail wraps around a sizable lake, all the while going up and down small hills in the terrain. With every slope, I realize just how much the dig wore me out. A dull aching has settled into my arms and I repeatedly adjust the grip on my daughter to keep her from slipping From my exhausted grasp Although I try to avoid looking or thinking of my child My attention inevitably falls to my lifeless companion I hate having to see her prettiest white dress The one she had fought having to wear to her aunt's wedding The one I thought she looked like a little angel in The fine little cloth gown that now holds her decaying body in death. My eyes run with dread up to her face, which has lost its innocent beauty. Her own features have sunken in and lost their color, and I can see faint suturing over her lips where the embalmer had sewn them into a relaxed smile. Her head still lies on my shoulder, her brittle hair touching my skin every moment of contact makes me ill and i have to tell myself over and over what i stood to gain good morning a passing hiker greets me casually making me jump good morning i repeat in a murmur trying and failing to relax the hiker quickly passes out of sight and after glancing to make sure she had indeed left i turned off the trail and walk through the taller weeds for several hundred meters until I come to a small clearing. After setting my daughter down in the clearing, I scout out the area to make sure no trails pass closely by. The lake sits close to the clearing, but I find no other areas of interest nearby. Once I'm confident of our solitude, I set up a small stack of branches under her uncap the gasoline and pour the fuel over the body see you soon sweetie i tell my daughter quietly as i flick my lighter on and set the pyre aflame i fall back onto my bottom as she burns away in front of me wiping off tears that i cannot tell if the smoke has caused I watch the cremation with shaken nerves. Words cannot convey how long that moment lasts. I look down towards the grass, terrified of actually seeing the flames swallow my child whole. A constant wave of heat presses against me and I clench my teeth as I hold my ground with my knuckles white over my clenched fists. I curse having to let go of her again even if only to bring her back to me. Even as the fire inevitably smolders away, the wretched heat never quite leaves my skin. I finally raise my vision to the sight, seeing only a mound of red, glowing ash and embers before me. In time, these two lose their color and fade to a dull hue just as the air loses its warmth in a bitter chill. Why didn't I bring the shovel? I ask myself, feeling idiotic. Knowing the lake lay only just outside the clearing, I grab a handful of the ash to toss out. Upon my return, I grab two handfuls, and then on the third trip, an armful. Eventually, I remove my shirt, which I filled with ash to move in a greater volume. Nevertheless, it takes well over an hour to clear out all the remains. I throw the last haul into the lake, unceremoniously, before tossing the entire shirt away, just to be certain. Six more hours, I say aloud, checking the time. After looking over the empty spot where my daughter had left me again, I spend half an hour of my remaining time hiking back to my car. Next, I spend another half hour on the drive home. Once there, I park the car outside, not wanting to open the garage door with the casket still inside. I cannot help but glance nervously up and down the empty street. After going through the house, I sit just next to the coffin in the garage. It takes every ounce of my self-restraint not to tear open the lid, knowing that my daughter may appear within. I can see her so perfectly in my mind, free from all the markings of death that I had burned away and cast into the waters. Hunger growls in my stomach, a faint reminder that I hadn't eaten since yesterday. I refuse to move from the coffin side, however, and watch over the motionless wooden box. Hours stretch by, in an agonizing crawl. I pace around the outskirts of the garage, mumbling to myself words that I forget even as I say them. Never in my entire life have I wanted so badly to skip forwards into the future, just a moment to buy some relief from this anticipation. In the end, I'm practically shaking, unable to sit still for even a moment. My eyes watch intently as the time ticks so painstakingly slowly towards the 14th hour. I count it down on my lips. Until it comes. My heart stops. Mephistopheles instructed me to open that box within six minutes of the 14th hour after I sealed the box. Those six minutes have come. I bide my time in stunned silence, terrified to look, lest I've miscounted the hours. Again and again, I check my math to make sure I had counted time correctly. I decide to let the last minutes pass, just in case, getting as close as possible to the 14th hour mark. So close. The last minute comes without fanfare and the moments fall away with unyielding certainty. I watch the final seconds as butterflies dance in my gut. I place my hand under the lid, feeling the latch where it had lay before. Although the device hasn't changed, my own emotional state bears no resemblance to the last time I had to open the casket. Time passes through the mental mark where I placed the 14th hour and With a sigh, I lift the coffin open to whatever may await me. It's her. She's alive. There's nothing there. Just a dead cat in a box. Oh my god. I gasp aloud as I grab her. Her eyes creak open as though waking from a deep slumber. She looks confused to see me.
1: Oh, God.
0: I moan as I look at the cat's corpse festering in the center of the coffin. How could this be? I did everything I was supposed to. Every step I followed it to the T. This can't be happening. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I sob as I wrap my arms around her. Are you okay? She asks, not understanding my emotional response. Did he lie to me? My voice changes as I come to the realization. That's it, isn't it? This was all his little game to make me jump through hoops, to get my hopes built up and then dash into nothing. Damn him. I'm fine, sweetie. I reply softly running my fingers through her soft hair, still in disbelief that the ritual worked. How do you feel? And now the body's been destroyed. Even if I knew how to perfect my original procedure, there would be nothing to raise back. I defiled her grave for nothing. I dug her up and looked over her decaying face for nothing. I feel all right, she says curtly, before looking around. Why are we in the garage? Am I in a box? We were playing a game. I lie quickly. Come on. Are you hungry? I could get you something to eat. how do pancakes sound? I'm starving. Damn it! I scream, kicking the coffin over. I feel kind of strange, she says, just before we leave the garage. How so? I ask with concern. I think I had a bad dream, she replied.
1: It's like
0: I can remember another life, my own. It was the same, but different. I don't know. The cat's ruined body sits on the garage floor near the base of the knocked-over casket. I stomp it into mush, relishing the sound as the bones crack beneath my foot. Splatter runs up my legs as I drive my heel into its tiny skull. None of it was real, I say reassuringly as I lift her into the house. None of this is real. It can't be. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to the author of tonight, Levi Salvo's. And if you'd like more of Scary to Sleep, feel free to join the Patreon page. For as little as a dollar a month, you get ad-free episodes, and three dollars and up, you get bonus episodes. So go check that out. And if you'd like to follow the show, you can follow it at Scary to Sleep on Instagram and Twitter, and there is a Facebook group. Just answer the questions, podcast, podcast, to make it easy, or you can throw in something more personalized. But... Just answer those questions so we know you're not, you know, a bot or a scam artist, or maybe you are a scam artist, but you're a fan of the show as well. Just make sure you're a fan of the show. We're just trying to keep out, you know, anyone who's going to cause any trouble. So please don't cause any trouble. <laughs> so how did you feel about this week's story? I really enjoyed it. I mean, obviously I enjoyed it. I chose it. But... For those of you who didn't understand the ending, I tried to make it as clear as possible in audio. I think it was a little more apparent when you read it on the page, so just in case you missed it, this is a Schrodinger's cat situation, and yes, that's what the story was inspired by. In fact, I have a couple notes about the story. This story revolved around two cliches. A scientist tried other methods to revive his dead daughter and... A domestic cat that has a connection to the paranormal. Either it can sense evil, or is influenced in some way by it. So we get a demon cat, a Schrodinger's cat ending, and I thought that was really neat to go between… the two dimensions? Question mark? (laughs) What do you think? Um, Are these two things simultaneously happening? Um, Do you believe in other dimensions? That's a question. Yeah, but I really enjoyed the story. I thought that was a really cool ending and it was a really cool um, concept to use around the traditional possessed, trying to bring someone back from the dead kind of thing. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. And this one, by the way, I'm going to provide a link in the show notes to uh, the story where you can read it yourself. If Again, if that ending, if I failed as an audio producer and it was a little confusing so yeah, you can check it out and read along yourself. And here we come to the point of the episode where I'm going to ramble a little bit, talk about what I baked this week. And I know some of you skip this, so I will see you next week. Good night. And for those of you who'd like to stay. And I think I have quite a few new listeners at the moment, which is excellent. Welcome. Welcome. Um, I do a thing at the end of my show where... I just kind of ramble about my week and talk about usually what I baked this week. Uh, it's a weird thing that just kind of evolved over the years, <laughs> and I got rid of it for a while, and then everybody wanted it back. Oh, not everybody. <laughs> let's let's not get crazy. Everybody did not want it back, but lots of you did. So here we are. This week I baked some lemon bars. I have been on such a citrus kick. I swear I'm being possessed by a scurvy-ridden pirate or something because I have needed citrus so bad, and so I made lemon bars this week. I used the Preppy Kitchen recipe, and it was really good. It's uh, very tart, which I like. It's not overly sweet, which I tend to find Preppy Kitchen's recipes a little overly sweet, and I really like him, though. I love his YouTube, YouTube channel, but every once in a while I'll make some of his recipes and they're just like cloyingly sweet but this was not his uh lemon bar recipe was excellent and one reason I chose it was because his crust is like pretty thin with a thicker layer filling I don't like when it's almost even layers of crust and filling I don't like a thick crust on my lemon bars I like a thin crust um or you know it's usually like a shortbread but uh I liked his because it was more filling to crust ratio how do you like your your lemon bars? What what kind of ratio do you like? Do you like lemon bars? Um, if you like citrus, I recommend them if you've never made them. They're pretty easy to make, actually. And again, kind of like the one thing I liked about last week, I talked about the Texas sheet cake. You pour the frosting on while it's hot, so it kind of gets done a little quicker. This does not get done quicker because you do need to let them chill. But you like cook the crust, and while the crust is still hot, you toss on the filling and then throw it in the oven. The cooking process is pretty quick, but you do need to let them chill. They're best chilled, so that does take a while. That's one thing I'm really bad about is I'll be craving something, usually something like creme brulee, and it'll be like 7 p.m., and (laughs) creme brulee has to chill for a while, and I usually don't let it chill for long enough, but, you know, I'm a glutton. What can I say? Gotta live life, right? Even with some slightly warm creme brulee, uh, it is better. Again, creme brulee also better when it's chilled because it has that amazing. I, I love when creme brulee is really cold, and then you do the sugar on top. So then the top layer gets like hot with the the burnt sugar, and then it's really cold underneath. Ugh, I love I, I love um, temperature as an in- like an ingredient in something. Like I'm one of those people who like I cannot stand lukewarm. If I'm like receiving it at a restaurant or if I'm getting it, like, um, if I'm heating up my own food, I'm not, I will never send anything back. I don't send things back. I watched, I'm, I'm from the generation who watched the the movie waiting too many times. And I worked in the food industry. I don't send things back. Um, it would, there would have to be like a literal cockroach on my plate or something. But, um, I will quietly be sad that my food is lukewarm because I like, if my food's supposed to be hot, I want it like burning my mouth. And if it's supposed to be cold, I need it to be icy cold, no in-betweens, no in-betweens other than like maybe a sandwich sandwiches can be just kind of room temperature. That's okay. That's okay. Um, <laughs> and this week's ramble is like extra stupid. <laughs> I, I apologize. Okay. I'm going to let you go because again, this is just going off the rails. I'm talking about sandwich temperatures. Now this is nothing to do with horror and it's very silly. Uh, I hope you have an excellent weekend. I'm actually going to be doing something really special coming up, and I'm really excited to tell you about it. And it has to do—just a hint—I have a book waiting for me at home that I need to read, and that has to do with this upcoming cool bonus episode that I'm going to be doing probably in a couple months. Uh, I want to say, but it's really neat. Excited to share it with you, and yeah, like upcoming cool stuff for the show. And for those of you who were considering Patreon, I did post a life update video, and I posted the audio, if you don't feel like staring at my face, totally understand, so there is an option for that. Um, But I did post a little life update um, on the $3 and up tier uh, for Patreon. Sorry to put it behind a paywall. It's just... I don't know where to put it, and I didn't feel like making it public for reasons, so... I know, I know. It's lame. Please feel free. Throw tomatoes at me. I put it behind. I put a life update behind a paywall. But there, I, I ha I have my reasons that I'm not going to go into here. But I have reasons other than just greed. Look at me. I'm like. I'm hitting all the the deadly sins tonight. Gluttony, greed. What else? What else am I going to get into this weekend? Other <laughs> deadly sins. All right. Um, but I promise it's not just that. It's it's for to add a, a little more privacy than. And I have more control over who um, can see Patreon. Just heads up: on Patreon, people can block and ban you from their pat- from being a patron of their Patreon. If you're you're subscribed to a creator and you pop off in the comments or you pop off somewhere else or you're someone they don't want watching their content, they can ban you. Just. I don't know. Just letting you. Just throwing that out there. It's not a threat or anything. It's just something I, I. don't think a lot of people know, because like for the for instance, the podcast itself, I can't really stop anyone from listening. I don't want to stop anyone from listening, but you know that's that, that's basically my reason is Patreon. I can have a little more control over whose eyes are are looking. Okay. Yep. Off the rails. All right. I'm gonna go. I love you. Um. Wear your sunscreen. Drink your water. Do something nice for yourself this weekend. Do something... Okay, you used to have a cool hobby or something that you used to like to do. Be it... I'm not even going to list things. I like doing jigsaw puzzles. Do that cool, that nice, relaxing, fun thing for yourself this weekend. Even if it takes like... You only get like a, a, an hour of your weekend or something. Do that. Be it... Again, like I guess I'll list things. Video games, coloring book, jigsaw puzzle reading when's the last time you read a book I, a bunch of you just said i've read three this week but some of you it's been a little while hasn't it pick up a cool new horror book um if you're hearing noises that's my cat i don't know what she's doing she's she is i better go check that out because she is making some noise. she's i don't know what that is okay i'm gonna go go get some sleep sweet dreams